listening to Vet Candy. Hi, I'm Caitlin Palmer. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Desk Winch Confessions. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Caitlin Palmer, aka the Desk Winch. A desk winch is a profession very similar to a veterinary receptionist, only better. We deal with not only fractious felines and cranky canines, oh no, we overcome their human equivalents as well, Karen and Chad. On my show, we validate vets and support staff, as well as any of you other amazing, beautiful folks listening. Now then, let me introduce you to today's guest. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Introducing NexGuard Plus, a Foxalaner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. Every one and done monthly dose protects canine patients against heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, roundworms, and hookworms, all in a delicious beef-flavored soft chew. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. To learn more, visit NexGuardPlusClinic.com. Today's guest really doesn't need an introduction. He has been named the sexiest beast charmer alive by People Magazine. He wrote the hit book, World Wild Vet. You've probably seen him on Animal Planet. I'm so excited, y'all don't even know, to introduce you to Dr. Evan Anton. Welcome, Dr. Anton. Thank you so much for being here. I can't believe you're on my show. This is incredible. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so, so much. So tell me about your most recent endeavor is your book, World Wild Vet. Tell me about that, about that that journey. It was a journey. It was really fun and exciting. Honestly, it's something I didn't think I'd be doing at this stage of my career. You know, I've been out of practice for eight years and I've been working with wildlife for, gosh, I guess, yeah, 16, 17 years around the world. But uh, I thought, you know what? I've I've been so fortunate where I've had these opportunities to work with with our wildlife around the world, and I've learned so many different things about different animals. And and what's so important to me too is is the messages behind how we can conserve these animals through those stories and interactions and encounters and travels. You know, I felt I had a good mix of uh, stories from around the world, whether it's Africa or Southeast Asia or Central South America, Australia, where I can kind of share what it you know what it means working with these animals in these different areas and what what is important regarding their conservation and the book itself i mean it's kind of on a, it's chronological order it's this timeline of me being this uh st- you know really starting when i was about 21 years old studying abroad in australia and just doing everything i could to immerse myself in the wild and see my favorite Kiss animals and kangaroos yeah kangaroos crocodiles all of it I, I was a little crazy then and did some things i maybe wouldn't do now in terms of the kind of maybe situations that could be a little risky, I guess, you know, trying to uh, work with or encounter certain animals. But um, yeah, just, you know, going from that young wildlife nut basically to a a practicing veterinarian, you know, where I, you know, work with small animal and exotics here in LA and and some wildlife and then work with a lot of wildlife around the world and uh, work with other conservationists and veterinarians and just uh, very passionate about what I do and very lucky to be able to do it. And you're very good at what you do too. And this, you know, coming up on a new year, I think we all care about the planet and we want to save it. We want to save these beautiful wild animals. So maybe throughout the show, you can give us some pointers as what we can do as, you know, as, as mere mortals 
to help the planet. So I read part of your book. And can we just talk about how wonderful whale sharks are? They're kind of my favorite thing. They are my favorite. So I got to swim with the whale shark, but it wasn't in the wild, in this beautiful, amazing scenario like you. Mine was a very controlled, it was a thing at um, the Georgia Aquarium where you can pay to go swim with the whale sharks, but it was still magical. So tell me about, about that experience. And there's this huge, beautiful polka dotted fish. I mean, I think I have to say, one of the biggest takeaways was how surprised I was at how it could look like they're not really moving that much. They're just kind of flubbing yeah. around and they're just, you know, their tail fins just kind of going up and down a little bit. And it just looks like this fish is not being very proactive in their movement in the water yet. I am swimming my butt off to try to keep up with this thing, which was crazy. They glide. They're so beautiful. They just kind of float. It's this big fleshy polka dotted fish that really does just kind of float. And this one was eating and swimming and it was that first big one I saw yeah I was just by itself and it was big it was like I don't know I can't remember it was like 30 something feet you know they get a bit bigger than that but it was still a pretty big fish and yeah I mean swimming next to that big you know massive mouth that eats such small things but you could still fit into technically it was pretty wild I don't know it's hard to put words in that you know it, it's hard to describe that you know when you when you're in the wild with this animal and they're aware of your presence and they're completely okay with it and you're just trying to keep up and just appreciating every single second of it. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Introducing NextGuard Plus, a Foxalaner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. Every one and done monthly dose protects canine patients against heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, roundworms, and hookworms, all in a delicious beef-flavored soft chew. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. To learn more, visit NextGuardPlusClinic.com. Yes, and there's no way not to when the word I used when I got to see them was was humbling because it's like, wow, this is the biggest fish that there is. And here's little old me and I'm in its house. It was so cool. It is very humbling when you're around another living, you know, vertebrate creature like that. That's just so big and just so powerful, yet so, so tranquil, too. It's pretty crazy. Yes. It's, I, I love sharks in general and I get made fun of a lot. You know, it's like, I'm going to be the biggest thing in the water. And it's like, no, I'm cool. Like, give me the big sharks. I so want you're not going to want to hear about my next trip coming up then. Oh, please tell me. Go <laughs> I'm going to the Bahamas and I've been there once. What? I've been there a few times for, for different reasons, but this is my second shark dive trip there. And this time of year is a phenomenal time of year to get to swim with tiger sharks, which I've done that once before in the Bahamas, right up close and personal. And then uh, we're going to try to and we should have some reasonable luck seeing great hammerheads too i never like that kind of encounter with the great hammerhead so i'm super pumped on that and of course there's lemon sharks tons of lemons lemon sharks. Uh, nurse I sharks, love lemon sharks quite a few reef sharks and then we'll probably do a bull shark dive uh closer to florida we're taking a boat from florida from like west palm beach to the bahamas a bull shark dive yeah bull shark dive that's right the, the real jaws was a bull shark was, it, was that based on a bull shark Oh, of course it was. it was. Yeah, going up the freshwater. Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's the real jaws, right? Uh, they're a bit more timid, you know? I mean, they're just, they're they're not as, um, I don't want to say bold, but they're just, you know, I mean, the tigers, they just, 
it's like they don't seem threatened at all. I mean, they're obviously an apex predator in that area, and um, they will swim right up to your face. I mean, literally, to the point where, I mean, when wow. these sharks swim up to you, you have to, like, put your hand up and just kind of redirect them. They're coming this way, and you just, you know, as they approach you, you just have your hand on the front of their face and just redirect it, and they swim on by, and it's uh, it's such a beautiful thing. It's so cool. And, we, you know, we keep them down there. We, we use a, a, crate bo- uh, a bait box, rather, and we don't hand feed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't right. think that's a good idea with sharks uh, or really Probably not. <laughs> it's not, you know, it makes them uh, too comfortable and it's, it's, you start raising, you know, dangerous, potentially dangerous opportunities, much more so than what we're doing. And um, it's just unnecessary because I'm telling you, you can, that box can be down there for hours and the sharks don't leave until the box leaves. And it's just the smell of the bait, the fish and the chum in that box that keeps them swimming around. That's it. There's no feeding whatsoever. Just smelling it keeps them occupied and keeps them in our presence, you know, for that hour or so dive that we're that we're sharing the water with them. Oh, that's phenomenal. That's that's definitely on my bucket list now. So my friends don't want to be in the water with the sharks. I want to be in the water with it. I'm a hundred percent going to die trying to pet something I shouldn't. This is just as the legend foretold. This is just that's what's going to happen. Yeah, we're all but- yeah experience that. I'm not as bad these these days, but yeah, I've definitely like. In my earlier years, getting out in the wild, I just had to like touch and engage with everything. It was ridiculous, but luckily nothing oh, got sure. too out of hand. Right, right. So you were traveling and seeing and encountering wildlife before you went to vet school. This is when you were young, pre-grad. And then, so did you always know you wanted to go to vet school and be a vet? Or I know all kids want to be a vet, sure. No, I actually started my undergrad as a business major. And, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I, I just, it seemed, it was a good school for it. And it was just starting a college education. It seemed to make sense at the time, but then I was taking these, like some prerequisites. I decided to take like some gem bio stuff and I took gem bio and evolutionary biology and, um, had a really phenomenal teacher, which obviously can make or break any course that you take, regardless of what the subject matter is. And she was just amazing. Right. Um, Dr. Kearns at uh, C- CU Boulder. And man, I fell in love with it. I just connected with it. And I, it, it just got me so excited about learning. I didn't mind studying, which was a first. I didn't, I'm not like a, I like school person. Like I didn't like studying in school and in high school. Like I just, I worked hard to get good grades, but it's not like how I wanted to spend my time for most courses. But I just loved these. And I felt like I just connected with them and just everything made so much sense to me about the theory of evolution and, and our biology. And I got excited by that. And there were times, you know, prior to that where I thought, man, the medical profession does look super cool, like the human side. And like, I'd love to, I love working with my hands. I'd love to, you know, surgery looks so interesting. And you know, when you're young and you don't really know much about all these things, but it just sounds super cool. And at that stage, I was really thinking like, man, you know, I love that stuff. I love the metal, medical side. I love learning the sciences. I've always been a huge animal person. I have always known from as bef- my, before my earliest memories and animals be a huge part of my life, regardless of what I do professionally. And it just made sense. This makes sense. This is what I should be doing. So I changed my major and then uh, just was went all in from there. That's excellent. And look where it's got you. It's it's great. Yeah, no, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Like I get to, you know, I had visions of doing kind of what I get to do more now, more or less. You know, I wrote a book and I had a, my Animal Planet show. And like it's, I've, I've had this vision and working towards this on top of being a vet and practicing and seeing patients, which is also something I'm very passionate about. And always want to do you know that's I've been working towards that since 2006 that's very strange I was how old am I I'm not gonna say how old I am but I was still in high school when you were doing really cool stuff 
Yeah, just starting to. That's what I studied abroad in Australia. That was really where like my got my travel bug, and then it just mm-hmm. took off from there. I mean, I was able to scrounge up enough money and time to go somewhere around the world, and um, the biz- biggest expense was the ticket. And then I was just, yeah. you know, staying in hostels and eating canned food and just uh, getting out in the bush and in the in the jungle and and loving it and just trying to work, you know, spend some time with wildlife rescues and conservationists where I could along the way. Sure, that sounds like it must have been uncomfortable at, at times and in camps and helicopters and you're outside and you're hungry and it's hot and. Was it just the the thrill of being around the animals that got you through that? That's honestly exactly what it was. Because I would find myself in the most disgusting places where, like, most people, there's no way you can convince a lot of people from, like, America to be okay sleeping in this room with this really gross, stained, holy mattress with rats crawling around you at night, literally. Like, I've had rats crawling on my back and going into my luggage. And it was like, okay, that's kind of, that's a thing. That's kind of weird. But it it never, (laughs) ever led me to question whether or not I want to be doing this or why I was doing it. It was pure enthusiasm and uh, just drive. The, I mean, I just, nothing was going to stop me. And whether it was being on horrible, long bus rides and dangerous, gnarly roads or getting on bikes or uh, any of the travel or stay or food or whatever it took, it just, it was, it was negligible. It didn't matter. It was, it just, it wasn't a concern. It just, it was what it was. And that's what it took to get to these places. And it was part of the adventure, honestly. Like, I'm glad I didn't try, you know, I, I mean, I still do that stuff when I'm in certain certain parts of the world. That's just how it is to get to these remote places. There's no, right. that's just what it is. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. But these days I'm lucky I can afford to stay in, you know, not a shared room in a hostel with a shared bathroom and some gross whatever, you know, jungle somewhere. <laughs> like it's more comfortable, but it's part of the fun too, you know? Yeah, indoor plumbing is is a must have for me. It's funny you say that. I did another study abroad the year after I studied in Australia. So in 2007, I went to Tanzania. And Australia has a lot of parallels with the U.S. You know, they're very similar in a lot of ways, culturally, and in terms of technology and being a developed country and everything. But then Tanzania, that's the first time I've been to a developing country, you know, and uh, been somewhere where, you know, having, just like what you said, indoor plumbing. I mean, having water on tap that's temperature controlled out of every faucet in your house is a beautiful thing that a lot of the world doesn't get to experience. Not everyone has that. No, and I mean, just to have, like, it made me, it gave me so much perspective on what first world problems are versus problems that people have there and just medical care and and everything, just getting food to eat for the day. I mean, is like, most people in a lot of these places, they're just living day to day. It's just such a different experience on this planet, but it gives you a really beautiful perspective in terms of how different life can be and how lucky, you know, I feel that I am. And uh, it's good. For, yeah, it's really neat. And the, the cool thing is, too, you know, even in the most obscure communities that I've visited, whether it's the Hadza or Maasai, like in Tanzania or being in the middle of nowhere in Cambodia, I think humans still value a lot of the same things. You know, they still love their family. They still, you know, want to support each other and they, they, they still love to gossip. You know, it's all the same stuff. We're all humans. It's funny. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. 
Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. Absolutely. And they still love, love the animals too. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. And yeah, you're right. You're right. Some places they're just animals. The, yeah. There's just, it's not like that. Like the human animal bond isn't universal. Actually, it's really not, or at least not in the same way that, you know, a lot of most of us Americans look at it where we'll, oh, that's so we sad. will readily, you know, take from our resources, whether it's time or money or space, whatever, to provide for our animals. Like we don't think twice about it, you know, on whatever no. level we can, you know. And and when I tell, you know, I remember when I first went to Tanzania and told them, yeah, I have a pet snake. I have a reptile that I intentionally have in my house and I pay money for it, and I feed it and I take it to the vet if it needs to go to the vet and I take care of it and I give it all the things that it needs to make sure it's in a, an appropriate habitat. Like they're just blows their mind, let alone doing that for an animal that you can really have a bond with like a dog. It's not always like that everywhere. It's interesting. And, you know, even somewhere like there, you know, what, oh, my God, this, this is a funny story. If you want a funny story, I was um, I did a week long stay with the Maasai, which is like a substance farmer, you know, kind of style, lifestyle where they have, you know, different livestock. They farm and they live very, sure. very simple. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't want to come off as offensive, but it really it's it's simple in a lot of ways. It doesn't have all the, you know. They don't think about health insurance or life insurance or uh, right all the bells and whistles yeah, that it's like, Americans you know, have. It's, you know? it's not, no electricity, nothing like that. It's very simple and day to day and everything. And um and they're afraid of everything wildlife wise. They think every reptile is venomous and can kill you. And I'm like, no, listen, really? it's only certain snakes. And none of the lizards here are a concern whatsoever. You got nothing to be afraid of. And I like caught this little gecko. And I was trying to explain that to them and show them a whole crowd around uh, people around me, all these different kids and teenagers and adults. And they're just thinking I'm insane for touching this animal. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove to you guys right now. I'll get bit. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to let it bite me on the face. And you're going to see I'm going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. So I take this gecko and I put it up to my lip or my nose Maybe it was my my lip, and I had it bite me right on the mouth, and they're like, oh, you know, gasping and screaming and freaking out. And I'm like, see, I'm fine. You know, take it on there for a minute. It eventually lets go. I'm holding it. I put it back where I found it, and I show them I'm fine. And uh, that was not enough to convince them. So instead of being convinced this animal's harmless, now you know this tourist Evan is some, some sort of, of white devil. That- yeah, he's like yeah. on some voodoo shit or something. So they just became afraid of me. Some of them, so it didn't help. That's so interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that because I would have done the same thing. See, it's fine. Okay, that didn't even occur to me at the time. I'm like, this is going to be great. They're going to be like, oh, lizards are cool. I'm going to chain y'all. I love lizards. But now when you go to, uh, I mean, I'm foreign to them. Some of these people see foreigners and white people every so often, but not. it's not like a super common thing. And then for me to just come all of a sudden and do that, it's, I mean, in hindsight, it's crazy that I thought I could change your opinion so fast, really. Yeah, that's that's fair. I can definitely see that. It's funny you talk about geckos biting. Just the other day, I was at like a herp exotic show and I was taking, you know, I, I want everything. I'm the girl. I want steaks. I want that lizard. I want that tegu. I want this gecko. I would like one of everything, please. 
except the birds. And um, there was a, a little guy and I was asking permission to take pictures you know, and videos of the animals. And I think he just assumed I said, can I hold it? Because I'm sure he gets that all the time, you know. And next thing I know, I'm like, can I take a picture of this gecko? It was a gargoyle gecko. Gorgeous. So cool. And uh, he says, yeah, can you just sanitize your hands? And I was like, uh, uh, oh, okay, because I just asked to take a picture. I'm like, oh, I, okay, whatever. And next thing I know, he's handing me this gecko. And I'm like, well, I just met you and I love you. And so, you know, I'm holding it. And I did, I've never held one before. And it went to jump and I went to go cup it in my hand and it bit me. And he says, it has never bit anybody. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Well, you know, they jump and I'm holding it. And I don't know if you can see, but it went to jump and I did like that, like I cupped it. And I guess I scared it and it bit me. And he's, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's fine. I'm going to die getting bit by something I shouldn't be petting. So this is fine. It's practice for me. I'm fine with this. It's uh, your, your introduction to all that, right? Yeah, it was kind of an honor. It's like a rite of passage, like getting thrown off a horse. It's like, oh, good. Now I can call myself an equestrian. There you go. Exactly. So now right. you're kind of like a little herper, herp junior. Where was this show? Like what? Uh, this was in Slidell, which is near New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I think, is, it was like were there a, any like, like venomous snakes there or some pretty wild stuff? They, they did, yes. Yeah, they those shows can be pretty wild in that part of the country. It's not like that in California. Most of those aren't legal. Really? No, yeah, you they can't bring like straight up rattlesnakes. Cobras what was and mad rattlesnakes. rattling? No, it's, it's nothing like that. You'll get some cool monitor lizards and some obscure, uh, you know, different pythons and different snakes and, and some other, you know, geckos and all that stuff. But no, no hots, no crocodilians. No, 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 no. But I, I texted my husband. I said two words, gargoyle gecko. And he responded, no. <laughs> I was like, well, this is bullshit. You, know? well, you I don't know tell you your would, wife no ever, people do this, And people listening, if you do think about getting a new pet and it's just something you're excited about and had, hadn't been exposed to prior, I always say, please, for this, for, for, your, for you and, and, and more so for the animal, do your research. Know what you're getting into. Know what the needs of this oh, animal are. The diet, the the temperature and humidity requirements for like for a gecko like that. You know, a lot of these reptiles and animals need UV light, so we got to get them sunlight or some specialized supplemental bulbs, and you know, all that stuff. Super, right. super, super important. And um, these pets do great. You know, a lot of them can do great in captivity if their if their needs are met. And a lot of the you know a lot of the patients I see at the hospital are because their needs aren't met. You know, and it's people that sure. uh, didn't do their homework and maybe were impulsive. And then they have this right. animal that's struggling and has health issues because it's not getting the right diet or the right, you know, humidity or whatever it is, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, on a real note, please do your your homework before you bring home any pet, but especially something like that. I didn't buy the gecko, you guys. I wanted to, but <laughs> well, I Well, I trust you. Didn't. You know what you're doing. You're, you know, <laughs> you work with animals. You're not going to, you know, do this guy wrong, but, uh, you know, so many people do. They do. And it's, I get it. They're cute. You see it, you want it, you buy it. And it's like, oh, well, the buying the pet is the cheapest part of having the pet. Now you have to buy its enclosure. Now you've got to buy. And with uh, these shows, yeah, I think it's how a lot of them make the money. And I, I don't mean this in a way to, I, I'm not trying to be negative to, to them, but like, I don't know, it'd be hard for me to like sell animals and just not know anything about you. I made this life and I'm, you know, or facilitated that. And um, I'm now giving it to you. And I know nothing about you or how you're going to provide for this animal. Right. That's weird to me. It's it's a little tough. It would it would give me terrible anxiety. I felt bad for the little guy because I think he really thought I was going to buy this lizard. And I was like, No, I really I just wanted to take a picture of it. But this is I mean, this is great. You know, I'm not complaining. But here's your here's your lizard back. Yeah, a lot of reptiles find themselves uh, doomed 
short-lived life that come from those sure. shows because they're full of impulsive, uneducated right. buys and nobody's saying, hey, do you know what you need to do? Take care of this, right. you know? Yeah, not to be a downer, but yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, glad you held a gecko. True. I did, it was so cool. I got bit twice by a gecko. <laughs> the only person who would brag about that. We got to graduate. Uh, I think it's a snake next time. Probably a snake. I haven't been bit by a snake. I've handled a few of those before. Haven't been bit yet. It's coming. It's time. Don't worry. Sna- unless it's venomous, they really, the snake bites aren't bad. I'd rather be bit by the animals than snakes eat than bit by the snake itself. Being bit by like a, even a small like rodent, like a little mouse. It's like being bit by a staple remover, you know, whereas the snake, they got a bunch of teeth. You might bleed a little bit, but they're so skinny. They don't bite down hard generally. And it's not that big of a deal. For sure. So I'm sure you have some bite stories. What what hell have you been bitten by? Oh, man. Uh, I, I did share this in the book after after deciding whether or not that was a good idea. But so the only time I talked much about, you know, prior to being like 21 was when I was like 17. I did take a zoology course my senior year of uh, senior junior, senior year of high school. And man, I loved it. It was like by far my favorite course in high school. Another great teacher and just uh, get, you know, learning more about the natural world. And it's, it's wild, you know, it's animal inhabitants, the animal kingdom and zoology was super fascinating and fun. And it reconnected me with like my childhood, my year, early youth, where I was always spending time in my backyard Creek as a young kid, always, that's all I did. I just looked for snakes and turtles and insects and, you know, whatever I could find and frogs and whatever. And then, you know, in middle school, high school, more social life, sports, whatever. And then like that, that later in, in high school took that course. So I started snake hunting and looking for snakes again. Now I, I, I had a, you know, I was lucky I had a car and I could, I'd go beyond my backyard and, and find some cool spots. You went herping. Went full on herping, found my first copperhead, this big adult, and it was just so beautiful. I couldn't not take it home. It was so stupid. But <laughs> I, I had to like, I wanted to get some pictures of it and like, you know, just appreciate it for like, a, you know, a few days or something and then just put it back. I wasn't going to keep it forever or anything. Anyways, long story short, the snake was really mellow. I got too comfortable and was just kind of like scoping it out and didn't realize how close I was. And I got bit by it. Uh, I got bit in the nose. And um, yeah, that was that was my worst bite. Luckily, I mean, that's not a good one, but it could be worse. Yeah, no, I mean, luckily, it's not a terribly venomous pit viper compared to a lot of our rattlesnake and other species, you know, and I'm also lucky we, you know, our local hospitals, we have anti-venom. I got treated. I don't have any like super severe permanent issues with it. In severely cold weather, my nose is at higher risk of getting frostbitten, and I've seen it turn white. At the but other than that, wow, it's fine. So yeah, that I got I got a decent crocodile bite, like five foot something Nile crocodile bit my forearm and like opened me up, but no permanent damage. I had a big hole in my forearm where you could I could see my tendons moving around like back and forth. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, digital flexors moving up and down. I'd have been doing that all the time. Just like, look, look how cool that is. Yeah, right. Check this out. Open my forearm up. I've had some kind of <laughs> nasty cat bites that got infected and were pretty, you know, just not fun and painful. Some dog bites through fingernails and stuff. And a bunch of reptile through bites. Through fingernails? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I was a, like, pre-vet school, I was a vet tech. I think this happened as a vet, too. Had a sedated dog was looking at his teeth, and uh, you know I do know this is a vet. I knew this then. The bite force, the bite, a bite, you know, is the last thing to go when it comes to sedation anesthesia. And a lot of you know the dogs, you know, they they they're not consciously aware. It's like why why we tell owners don't get near the mouth for seizing dogs because they're you know the, if they're having a real seizure, a grandma or something like that, they're totally out of it. But uh, you know they could still bite even if it's a dog that would never in their conscious mind bite anything, and they're total sweethearts. Anyways, yeah, I got like. 
I think I had a sedated corgi or something, and he just like bit through my thumb. Found some rough talons, like birds of prey, getting through their talons, through the gloves. Had an owl like get pretty deep into my thumb here, like on my thumb pad or whatever you want to call it. Oh, you're lucky that didn't really mess you up. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of the stuff could have gone south. I've had a nasty mouth rot, 17-foot python give me a bite on the forearm. And I was like, oh, my God. I just got like, you know, 70 little, you know, sub-Q injections of, you know, infection in my arm and was worried that could get bad. And I cultured it on my own dime just to be on the safe side and it wasn't anything too sketchy. No, luckily that's that's pretty much the worst of it that I can think of at least. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Quincy Hawley and I'm here to tell you about a new show it's Vet Candy Rounds with the Hollies. That's right, Dr. Tierra, the love of my life, and I have teamed up to bring you the most fascinating cases in the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or a podcast platform of your choice, only on Vet Candy Radio. What's your favorite place to travel to? Because you've been all over the world. Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky. I've been to a lot. Still a lot I haven't been to and I want to see. But uh, where I've been, uh, Indonesia's up there for me because they have such a unique and array of everything. I mean, they have just the weirdest primates there between tarsiers and proboscis monkeys and orangutans. That's super fun. They've got really incredible birds. You know, I love, I like some of those Asian hornbill species are super cool to see. And Hornbills are so cool. Yeah, and those birds of paradise, all that stuff's really neat. They've got crazy reptiles, you know, some of those huge freshwater turtles and they've got uh, really gorgeous vipers and they've got cobras and they've got the, you know, the Temistema, this slender snouted looking crocodile, you know, kind of looks like a gharial, but they're pretty wild. And the jungles there, I mean, Borneo is unbelievable. I mean, it's just such a gnarly, gnarly jungle. And all the islands have really special habitats, you know, whether you're in Borneo or you're in Sulawesi or... Uh, you know, all over the place, you know, on Komodo Island, biggest lizards in the world, got to walk with the dragons, you know, I mean, that was a trip. That's Um, incredible. Yeah, that's a special place for sure. And then the beaches and the islands and the scenery and the history is really, really neat too. I spent some time in Brazil and loved it. Brazil blew my mind, you know, seeing Iguazu Falls and going to the Pantanal is one of my favorite hotspots for wildlife. It's like the Everglades on crack. I mean, you got all wow. these toucans and parrots, you know, flying around everywhere. And, and you've got uh, armadillos and uh, anteaters and caimans and uh, anacondas, like everything. It's just, it's capybaras, like super wild place. <gasps> Gigantic guinea pigs. I love those things. Some people eat them. Did you know that? I'm not surprised. I mean, honestly, people eat everything. Anywhere you go, there's somebody's eating it somewhere, basically. Um, <laughs> I love visiting Africa. You know, like whether it's up in East Africa and where you're getting in some of those forests, hiking with some of the gorillas or working with chimps in the Congo or, you know, other parts of East Africa with their, their uh, you know, more traditional iconic African wildlife with the, you know, the, the, the big cats, the lions and the elephants lions. and all that. And South Africa, getting to work with rhino. And that's one of my favorite species to work with. Rhinos. That's my husband's favorite. We love rhinos. They're special animals. They're really, they're, they're really something else. What, what kind of rhino did you get to... Most of my work with rhino has been with uh, southern white rhino and then uh, mm-hmm. eastern black rhino, you know, what we can find in different parts of southern and eastern Africa. I've gotten some hands-on stuff with uh, Indian rhino 
And I've seen them in the wild, actually, in Nepal. That was super cool. But yeah, most of it, when I'm in Africa, it's mostly northern right, white, and then some of the black rhino we come across. I can't even imagine. That's so cool. Yeah, big white That's rhino so male cool. is pretty unreal. And you see a big, like, beautiful animal. It's, you know, hovering around 6,000 pounds. It's pretty crazy. Wow. And it's an animal tank. It's, they're, they're crazy. They're so cool. So tell me about, so you're, you also practice in a vet clinic and you treat small animals, which are dogs and cats and exotics. So like your bearded dragons and, and whatever. So obviously you're kind of a celebrity. So what's that dynamic like between you and your staff or you and your clients? Cause everybody knows who you are. Does that make it weird? Is it fun? I have fun with it. I mean, I think it's, it's, I, I really enjoy it. You know, it's the Conejo Valley Vet Hospital. It's outside of LA and I've always been really proud to work there. I've been there since I graduated and it's wow. uh yeah, it's a really lovely hospital. I get along great with my staff. You know, I think we practice, you know, solid medicine there and it's cool too. I mean, not like in the vet field, you know, I guess I, I say this humbly, like a lot of people are aware of my work or whatever, but when I'm into hospital, like there's still a lot of people that don't know who I am. And so it's fun sure. also to go to work and, you know, a lot of my patients and pet parents I do know who I am and a lot, you know, a lot don't, or at least they are good at acting and they don't say anything. And I don't know after our appointment, whether or not they're familiar with me or not prior to our appointment, but uh, yeah, it's chill. It's fine. Like it's good. I mean, sometimes people are a little weird. Sometimes people come in and I don't, I really don't think their pet was sick, you know? And I think, you know, uh-huh, you know pet, they like, just want to meet come you. In like that or they just want to meet or whatever. And they, you know, they're nice. It's cool. Like whatever, you know, they want to pay for an appointment. They're like, I'll pay an exam. I'll pay an exam fee to meet you. Sure. Yeah. So it's all good, but it's been, if, if any, if it adds anything, it's like positive things overall. It's cool. Sure. Absolutely. It, it's kind of a joke with us and, and everywhere, I'm sure. But what the client tells me when they check in versus what they tell the technician versus what they tell you is something totally different. And they'll fuss at me. They'll fuss at the technician, trash talk the doctor. And then when the doc doctor walks in, it's, oh, you know, it's really not that bad. Thank you for looking. It's like, Real, really? It is wild. You- it's like, I mean, you see that, that so many times from any one of our perspectives. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm open with my staff and they're, I have a good relationship with them and they talk and, and they're, they're professional, but like these people that do this, these, these pet parents and come in and do this, like, you realize like we talk to each other. Like, I know exactly. that you treated, you know, my receptionist like shit, you know? And like, you know, I, I, I'm not like rude to them, but I try to be like, Hey, you know, we, you know, we want everybody to be cool with our staff and like, say something but uh yeah it's it's kind of hilarious not for you guys i feel bad for you guys because i never see that side of it no they don't they never act that way in front of super like it's been years like it just doesn't happen hardly ever and but you guys hear it every i mean you hear it the worst you're on the phones you're the first person to hospital you you get you know if they're in a bad mood on the way out you're checking them out or whatever like you you guys have my sympathy and uh it's 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 unbelievable but the texts, they get a fair bit of it too. They and do. it's, I mean, I think what, I mean, when I see it, I think it's people that like, I don't think you've ever worked. I don't think you right? know what it means to have a job. Like you, you clearly have no sympathy or maybe empathy. And like, I don't know what happened to you, but like, if you've worked and you can see people are trying to do their job and you understand, like, you know, we're just, you know, we're a business and we're just, we're trying to help animals too. Like you wouldn't treat us like that. Like you, you, right. you wouldn't treat our staff like that. You know, it's not like every day 
and a constant, Why? but like, well, you probably know this, you guys hear it every day. For me, it's every day. It's a, you but, hear you know. it multiple <laughs> times every day. Um, but you talk to way more people than I do at the end of the day and, and they're going to be more open or more, they're not going to be shy or reserved rather with you. I don't know what else to say. It's like, you don't, you, you don't have perspective. Sure. You, cause I don't think you would behave like this if you did. And I don't think people realize if you're nice to me, I'm going to go out of my way for you. And that's a funny thing too. And that's how I operate too. And even if I feel like somebody's not treating me right or doing things right, I don't go off and start. I don't immediately go to like difficult mode. Like sure. I know even like it, it's in our best interest to be as kind as possible to get what is best for us. So even if I'm looking at it in a selfish way, it's like, this is in my best interest not to be a jerk. Because if I'm a jerk, it's less likely that I'm going to get the service or whatever it is that I need, that I, you know, that I'm paying for that I need from you guys. So that, that also blows my mind. It's like, we're not going to want to go out of our way for you when you treat our staff like this, bro. Like, right. what are you doing? Right. It's like, you know what? Sorry. You know, I'm enforcing that policy. I'm out of coupons. Sorry. You got to pay full price for your dog food. That sucks, doesn't it? So you're in LA. Do you have any celebrity clients? Yeah, we have some, like, we for sure have some in the area. Not as much if I was practicing in, like, in the middle of like Beverly Hills, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, we do have a bit of clientele coming from like Calabasas in that area and they'll drop in and all those, I mean, the ones that I've had, they've been great to work with. And I mean, a lot of the bigger ones, it's rare that you meet those people because they have busy lives or private lives or whatever it is. And so it's often the challenge, if anything that I've seen with that has been, I'm communicating through their help or, or assistant right. or uh, their, how, you know, somebody else that like kind of helps them do their day to day. And they're not as clear as like, what is really our problem, you know, or what's going on. And so it's, it's harder to get a, a really solid history, you sure. know, when I'm talking to them. It's like the people, the husband brings the dog in and you're trying to get a medical history. And he's like, I don't know. I was just told to bring the it dog. It was limping or like seemed like it didn't eat last night. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Jesus, dude. I think it's fine. And it's like bleeding. It's like, it's fine. Okay. So this is another thing I wanted to say. When you walk into an exam room, you should be like, hi, I'm Dr. Anton. I'm also the sexiest beast charmer in the world. People magazine called me that. How can I help you? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty humble by nature and I've never, ever referred to myself as that on anything that I do <laughs> personally or introduce myself in that way ever. Like, I just, I couldn't do that seriously. Kidding. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, no, hey, more no, power to you if you can, like you should, you know, promote yourself and whatever, but like, I, I just can't with that. It's, I can't take it too seriously, you know? You can't even joke with this guy. Come on. <laughs> So that's so cool. You have celebrity clients. You did Evan Evan Goes Wild, which is wild. You get to do all kinds of cool stuff. That's, that's so cool. Yeah, no, like that was like doing that show, Evan Goes Wild. That was like my dream show. That was what I envisioned more or less, you know, 15, you know, almost 15 years before I actually did it. It was so cool. It was so rewarding and just, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Sure. So before we wrap up with the new year coming up, you know, we're all about saving wildlife, saving animals, saving the planet. What can we do just as people to, to help? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's from everything to being an intelligent consumer, to being an intelligent traveler, to uh, being intelligent and, you know, selective in how you're on social media. You know, when it comes to being a consumer and really social media, really any, all this stuff, 
anywhere you put your money, you're basically casting a vote, you know? And when you see a video of a chimpanzee playing on Instagram and, and you like it or you comment or you share or whatever, uh, you're growing that profile, you know? And the reason why that something like that example is concerning is because seeing chimps in the context of looking like pets fuels the illegal chimp poaching, you know, fiasco that we have in uh, Central and in Equatorial Africa. And these animals are, you know, taken as babies from the wild. Their entire families are killed. They're sold oh illegally, God. you know, these black markets to uh, the Middle East and or uh, Southeast Asia to be pets or in these really shitty roadside zoos or whatever it is. It's bad news. And so I, and I think most people don't realize it. The people that are engaging with this kind of content, if they had any idea, then it was it was seriously Absolutely. adversely affecting their wildlife counterparts. They wouldn't do so and they don't realize it. But just, you know. If, if you're aware of that, uh, or maybe if you're learning something now, great. If you're aware of it and you see your friends or people doing that, or you just want to put that message out there, that helps. And like social media is fun. I want it to be fun for people. I don't want to like be a, a bummer, but this is just the reality. And so like, you know, I want you to enjoy social media. I like to go on social media and just peruse and, and, and laugh and whatever. But, you know, being smart, there's the same thing with being a consumer. You know, I mean, like, I know it's not easy or always affordable, to avoid, you know, mass produced, you know, like animal products, you know, when it comes to, you know, a big part of a lot of people's diet and uh, things need to change. But unfortunately, like it is the more affordable option for a lot of people. And if they want to have meat in their diet, that's the only way they can afford it. And so I, I sympathize with that totally. Sure. But it's going to continue that because when you pay for it, you're voting for it and you're continuing that industry. And so when we can get more away from that, whether it's plant-based or humanely raised and sourced, you know, animal products, whatever it is, you know, that's the, our, our generic animal, you know, product travesty is a travesty. And so that's like, you know, day-to-day consumption, just being smart. And when it comes to traveling, you know, most animal engaging activities, they're not good for those individual animals. And they're not good for our wildlife. And so if you want to go pay to uh, ride an elephant or have an elephant paint a picture, you know, most of these animals were taken from the wild. They were tortured for weeks. Their mothers were killed or they were tortured or both. And they're basically turned into these like robot zombies and their their, their soul has been beaten out of them. Their their spirit has been truly beaten out of them to do this in, in, when, when this takes place all over Southern and Southeast Asia. And so it's, it's a nasty industry. And so just being smart when you support that. When you go to the beach, don't take, you know, pay to take a picture with the parrots that were taken from the wild. Don't pay to take a picture with the monkey that was taken from the wild. I mean... You know, a lot of, you know, stuff in the U.S. is not great. Don't go, you know, cub petting and that kind of thing. That's, you know, encouraging backyard breeding of these animals where most, a lot of these cubs, you know, they get, they get stuck in a freezer or something. They get sold to some, you know, sketchy, you know, zoo in Southeast Asia, or they get turned into the black market where their, their fur and their, their fangs and their teeth are used, you know, it's bad industries. And so when you pay to do that for that experience, I love that you are excited by animals. I am too. I get it. And I like, I want to fuel that and support that, but you don't want to support these things. And every time you do, you're fueling it and you're, you're helping these different industries continue basically. Sure. It's like buying a puppy from a puppy mill. Exactly. It's it's exactly what we're talking about here. Being intelligent about where you, you know, how you're casting your votes, whether it's a like or a dollar, every time you do it, it's a vote. If the people that provide this are seeing a change and say, Hey, you know, we're not getting these votes here. We're getting it here. They're going to go where the money is at the end of the day, especially in a country Absolutely. like this. We're a capitalist country, and that's 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 it. They don't care what they're making. 
they're just going to follow the money. And so if, if you're putting your votes and your money where it's, it's something that, you know, we can all you know, feel better about, that's where they'll, they'll, they'll put their, their efforts into, you know? Sure. That makes sense. I was, I was actually going to ask you about cub petting because, you know, Tiger King was a phenomenon and that was a big thing was cub petting. And I'm sitting there thinking, why is that bad? Giving people these experiences with these babies, but you're right. They, what do you do with them when they're not a cub anymore? Right. You can only legally pet cubs. And I think it might vary in one state to another, but usually it's like eight to 12 weeks, maybe 16 weeks or something. I'm not sure, but usually it's like eight to 12 weeks. Now you have a big cat that needs to be fed. And now it's going to be sold to a crappy zoo. It's going to be euthanized. It's going to be sold abroad. It's going to be sold to the black market. It, I mean, all these, I mean, you saw Tiger King. Yeah. Like these aren't, these aren't people we want that are the ones that are caring for, you know, these, these incredible animals. Like it, that's not good. And so again, I, I love that the reason that people do this stuff is because they love the animals. They're excited. Like, that's cool. That's why we love animals. I get it. But we just, you know, we, we have to be smart about how we go about it and wh- where we want to, where, who we want to support and who we don't want to support through, through our dollars, you know? Yeah, the intention is kind, but the outcome isn't what you want it to be. Absolutely. It's not. Yeah, what I mean, there's a lot of ignorance is. out there, and I don't mean that in like a in a, a shameful, disrespectful way. Sure, people just don't know, and you don't know until you until you're told. So, so listeners, now you know. <laughs> I mean, the people that are behind these profiles, behind these cup petting operations, they know better. You know, I put shame on them. Absolutely. I'm not happy with them, but like for the people that just you know don't have had any idea. They just need to be educated. Sure. That's part of my brand and what I do and what I try to promote, whether I'm working with yeah. big cats or chimps or whatever it is. I, I try to you know educate people along those lines. Sure. And even with dogs and cats and just exotic pets, that's our job as veterinary professionals is to educate people because you do the best you can until you know better. And then you do better. Exactly. Well, if you okay. don't do better There's with no what you know, then you're doing it wrong. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> then you need to get out. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and I want to tell you about my new show, Living Well with Dr. Jessica. We talk about life, love, and living your healthiest life. Check it out on Vet Candy Radio or a podcast platform of your choice. Well, Doc, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here. I, I appreciate it. I know you're a busy, a busy man. You're, you're a big deal, and you're on my little podcast. So, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to to be here today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. Now, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or read your book, and you should, or follow you on social medias, where can they do that? You can follow my social media, Dr. Evan Anton. So it's Dr. Period Evan Anton on Instagram. It's Evan Anton on Facebook. And uh, the book is available major retailers on audiobooks if you want like audio. And I read it myself. So you get to hear what? all my personal stories and yours truly. And then uh, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's a few, yeah, a few other big ones, but it, easily you, you can find it if you just look for World Wild Vet. 
it'll pop up. Yep, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well, so anybody can just click the link, because that's easier, let's be honest. So everybody, definitely go check out Dr. Anton. He's amazing. This has been a fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me, and thanks for listening. I love sharing these stories with you. If you enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button. You can always find me on Vet Candy and TikTok at DeskWinch. Send me your crazy stories to thedeskwinch at gmail.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.